Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at EarSports.com of the 24-7 Sports Network. Fresh off of West Virginia's 42-6 loss. I'm going to make an apt analogy here about a trip to the dentist. I have to go in Monday and get a crown. New to me. Have a feeling that apparently broke. I'm told it's not very fun. Quick and easy sometimes. You don't feel a whole lot. You're numb after a while. Chris Anderson, I'm not anticipating that, but I was certainly more interested in that experience than the second half today. Slightly painful, uncomfortable, numb after a while. Yeah, that sounds like today. That sounds exactly like what uh, most uh, West Virginia fans and media, maybe even the team a little bit, uh, felt today in this loss at Iowa State. Uh, I think uh, I'm right with you. If if we're going to do the analogy thing, I'd like to uh, put forth a request to put forth just a little bit, about the same amount of energy into this podcast as West Virginia defenders did with anybody that crossed across the field in, in any sort of crossing route. And pre-snap, post-snap, whatever. If you're going to cross the hash marks, you're going to get open against West Virginia's defense. So I want to put in about the same effort on this podcast. How's that sound? You want to make a business decision is what you're saying. <laughs> I am going to make... A business. If, if we're making business decisions today, let's let's all go all out on that. There were some business decisions in that second half. Yeah, um, I mean, I think there, were, I think there were guys going like, "What am I doing out here?" Thirty-five, nothing. It's forty-two to three. It's forty-two to six. Why am I still here? There's some that I want to give give guys you know crap for, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna try not to single them out on this. And there's one that I was kind of like, you know, I. Kind of don't blame him, and and, and so I'll single him out. But Is it Winston Wright? No, the Winston oh. Wright one. I was not going to let go. The, the Letty Brown one, because I think that was it was it forty two to three at that point, and I don't know why he was still in there to begin with, and is about to catch a pass from Deggy in the flat that was about five seconds late. <laughs> you could just see that safety running 100 miles an hour, ready to, uh, about to show my age, but Goldberg spear him right into the ground. And he just said, nope. (laughs) Like, full on, full stop. I'm not even going to attempt to catch this pass. And just pulled his hands back into his body, stopped moving, and stepped out of the way. And that was a business decision. You and I both posted it at the same time on the board. Six seconds apart. Yeah. Uh, but I, there were, again, as you noted, there were several of them today. And that one, I almost was like, hey, you know what? I kind of don't blame you for that one, buddy. Don't blame you at all. Yeah, I don't want to name names. There are were, there were offense, defense, special teams. You can do it on defense, too. And it happened on defense a few times. Special teams, for sure. No, Nobody wants to be running down and covering kickoffs. Um, in a in a forty two to six game or thirty five to three game or anything like that. But let me let me ask you this because we're we're in this neighborhood right now. We're driving around looking at Christmas lights, right? Um, two field goals down thirty five nothing and forty two to three, and Matt Campbell kept his guys in and was playing with like five six minutes left. Brown had an explanation, um, and isn't mad about it, but. I think that these two teams were trying to not let the other one get the last word. Brown was doing everything he could not to get shut out. Um, honestly, the difference between 42 to nothing and 42 to six is negligible to me. It just means you didn't get shut out. It's trivia. 
Um, I guess that you owe your players that. Maybe you owe yourself that as a head coach and not get shut out. Um, Matt Campbell was still doing figure eights in the parking lot, though, with six minutes left in the game. <laughs> yeah, he was really going for it. it could, and you're right. I think it was like I, each of them kind of, you know, not trying to one up each other, but trying not to get outdone and not not let the other one have the last the last word, like you said, because I could not figure out why West Virginia was not putting in subs. I mean, there there was three, four minutes left in the game, and I'm still seeing Sean Mahone and Tyke Smith and Drayshon Miller making tackles, and I, I don't know why. I, I could not figure it out. I don't know why Jared Dagey's running the offense when it's 42-3, but then you look over in – Iowa State is keeping their starters in. And the reason they're keeping their starters in is so they can run up the score and look better for the college football playoff. And Neil Brown and postgame said he knew exactly that's what Matt Campbell was doing and had no issue with it. But I guess, you know, because I was ready to come on here and be like, why the hell are you not playing backups? You have to play your back and get these guys in there. This is pointless. But if you put in your second and third stringers, you put in a bunch of freshmen and for some extended experience right here, and then they just get their butt kicked by a bunch of first-string seniors from Iowa State for a top-ten team in the country. Is that is that good? I don't think so. I think that might be worse than actually getting them out there on the field or, or keeping them on the sidelines, I mean. Well, none of that, but none of those guys are playing next week either. Right. What's the benefit? Like You could do that maybe against a team early in the season because you might need those guys later on. You don't need them against Oklahoma. I also think that there were some wake-up calls made because – Listen, there were guys who wanted out of that game that enough's enough. There were. And sorry, that's not going to happen is pretty much what Neil Brown said. Listen, you didn't want to play finish or you didn't want to compete. You're going to finish and message sent message delivered. We'll see message received. We'll see. Um, but I think that was part of it, too. The easy thing to do would have been to to wave a white flag a little bit and put twos and threes in. And, and then what happens what ha- is what happens. And you talk about that in film on Sunday, but the damage is already done. The benefit is, like I said, it's it's minimal at best. You're not going to be using threes and fours against Oklahoma. Um, at least you're not going to be boat racing Oklahoma and putting those guys in the field. So I think that he was trying to say, listen, you guys wanted it easy. I'm going to make it hard on you. I think that was part of it. Um, and the other part, too, is they haven't played in three weeks. you got to get them uh, something uh, in, in a lather a little bit to let them go. But um, let's just go to the very obvious question here, Chris. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what the heck don't, happened? Oh, I thought you were going to ask if I still trust the climb. I was like, don't do it, Mike. Oh, no, 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 no. What <laughs> no. the heck happened? I don't know. I mean, it seemed like it was... Almost from the beginning, you know, you got towards that end. You know, West Virginia started with the ball. They get down kind of in deep into Iowa State territory. And then I think it was the third down play where Daggy throws it late behind his receiver. Would have had a first down, but Huge. didn't because because of that. I mean, we talk about trying to get on target with guys that are running routes. But if you're not on target with guys that are settling into open spots and they're stationary, that's like – that's unacceptable. And then, you know, then you get to fourth down and then Letty Brown's leaning forward because he's so ready to get this handoff that he gets called for a false start. So instead of going for it on fourth and one and a half, fourth and two, then you're punting and your punter just booms it like directly. And like, there was no doubt the moment it left his foot that was going in the end zone for a touchback. So you're not pinning him back. And it was just like, there you go. You know, mental miscue, shot yourself in your foot, mental miscue, 
uh, mental, uh, it's just over and over and over again. I was like, Hmm, that's not great. And then right back down the field, going the other way. And it just never seemed, you know, Neil Brown said, Hey, we, 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 everybody's been talking about how they've been in every game so far this year. And yeah. Neil Brown said afterwards, not this one. I think we were out of it after the first quarter. He said, I, I feel like they were out of it after the first drive during the first drive. It just never at no point in this game. Did I feel like this was a team that was going to compete today? No, none. Like as soon as that, as soon as that sequence I'm talking about there, the throw behind the receiver, Letty Brown, false start punt directly into the end zone. I said, man, and and then Iowa state kind of getting a couple big plays right on offense. I said, that's, that's it. I can already tell how this game's going to go. I mean, I didn't think it'd be, as bad as it got, but I thought it was going to be similar to that Kansas State TCU game for West Virginia, you know, but reverse. I would say that. Let me pat myself in the back here for a second, as I never do. <laughs> but the first 15 minutes are going to be huge in this game. It just it just was. They haven't played in three weeks. They're going to be rusty and you don't want to be rusty against this team because they're humming. They played. Listen, I, I don't listen. I feel like I'm lecturing here. I've watched Iowa State a ton. I just like the way they play. Their offense is fun. I'm into tight ends and, and like obscure stuff you don't see every week in the Big 12. And their defense is so enjoyable. So I've seen them a bunch. I've never seen them play this good as they played in the first three quarters. I haven't seen all their games, but like this was better than they played against Oklahoma State. This was better than they played when they shut out Kansas. That's a good team they played today. When I'm saying the good team they played, I'm talking about West Virginia. That's a good team. And Iowa State hammered them, just hammered them. And it was never in doubt. But what struck me right away was that the, 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 the ghost that haunts West Virginia is West Virginia. And when you can't connect on that pass, and then you're going to go for it on fourth down, you're going to go for it. And you jump, right? And now you're punting on fourth and seven instead of fourth and two. And then the other team gets into their fourth down, fourth and three, the 28, the team that has the tight ends throws a fastball to their tight end and catches it next play they're in the end zone because you missed like six or seven tackles, maybe just three or four. It felt like six or seven. It's seven nothing because they made a play where you couldn't even give yourself a chance to make a play. And that has been, in brief, the synopsis of this game and maybe the low points of West Virginia's season. And then next possession, um, three and out, because you're down, you're pinned in the goal line because you have a blocking penalty on the kickoff. So again, you hurt yourself. You put yourself way behind again you can't even get into your script and the things that work because you got to flip the script you got to go to your coming out of our goal line set instead of the first 15 first quarter set next thing you know you're playing defense in your side of the field they were just never in front of the chains they were never behind the defense so to speak and that's not the game you want to play and then you get into the second quarter Iowa State was a minus team in the first quarter they were they were outscored 51 to 44 in the first quarter they annihilate teams in the second quarter, 102 to 44, and it was 14 nothing today. And it was, it felt like it was worse than that. And it could have been worse than that because of some bizarre clock management again at the end of the first half. I'm not even getting it into because it, it doesn't matter. But the things you can't do to yourself is what West Virginia did. And Iowa State, no surprises apart from the, the jet sweep on the first play from scrimmage, but just did what you expect them to do and just did it really well for, for three continuous quarters and just, just kind of pounded them into salt. Did you think it would be so thoroughly one-sided in the trenches in this game? Nope. Now, I'm not talking in overall. I'm talking in the trenches because I felt like 
you know, I, I like Purdy. I liked, I, I thought it would come down to the trenches and, and I wasn't sure which way it would go. Cause I thought West Virginia's defensive line could hold their own. And, and then, you know, Iowa state's defensive line would hold their own. That's why I thought it would be low scoring. I think most people thought it'd be low scoring on both sides of the ball uh, or for both teams, but Iowa state controlled both sides of the line. And I was not expecting that. Was that like, I mean, it was a thorough yeah. beating. This, are, this was men against boys out there. I'm not surprised by six points, right? And right. not because I thought they were going to get shut out or only kick two field goals. But listen, it's it's in their bag to really struggle offensively against a good defense. And that happens. So that's not a yes. terrible surprise. 42 is kind of shocking. Uh, frankly, that's, that's, that's a shock because the defense is better than that. It's way better than that. But I, I just think they bent and bent and bent and it just kept bending. And did they break? I don't know. Maybe on that. Uh, in Wang Wu run, maybe that maybe that happened there. We'll see. I don't know, but did it matter? Nah. Does it matter if they broke? I don't know. They scored forty two. They probably broke, but the the point of contact was decisive to me. And the the day the guards had a bad day. Um, I, I've never I haven't seen Iowa State blitz as much as they did, and they they didn't really put their linebackers outside a bunch. I thought their linebackers came to the middle a lot, and it looked like West Virginia was probably more worried about the ends. They do that weird thing where they're inside the guards and the shoulders of the tackle on the guard. They kind of do that. I thought they maybe gave their guards help, and they were exposed in the middle. And I think they had a hard time running the ball there. And, again, if you're worried about the outside, you're going to run inside. But I don't know if it was a counter or if it was just what Iowa State did as a result of what West Virginia did, but they couldn't get anything going running in the middle. And on the other side, like, Iowa State's got – we're just moving people back. Like, the stills are good. They're big. They're hard to move. They're getting moved. And decisively, too, it was the, the contact that happened early was arms and, and grasps and nothing that's going to stop Brees Hall and, until it's five or six yards down the field. And you're just watching that going, oh, boy, this is not going to turn the other way. Change of possession, you go, oh, boy, this is not going to turn the other way either. And you realize you said that about the same team, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's not a good formula there. And, and it just it just never even went neutral, never mind the other way. Uh, worst tackling performance of the year. Uh, uh, Brown yeah, said after yeah. the game, I would have to agree. Uh, also made, made note of speaking of the trenches, the, he specifically pointed out the tackles and said it were, I think his term was extremely disappointing to put it mildly. Um, that's putting it correctly. They picked on Yates. They picked. They on Yates. really picked on Yates, and they and blitzed. didn't they? And and when we say picked on him, they didn't send blitzers. They didn't send two guys. They didn't you know confuse him. It was just hey, line up on this tackle and go right at his outside shoulder, yep. and that was it. That was all they did. It was just go deep on his outside shoulder and turn him, and you'll get to the quarterback. And that's exactly what happened because there was nothing tricky about it, nothing at all. And he got beat up pretty good. What do you think the odds were in Las Vegas that Tyler Sumter would be the leading scorer for West Virginia? <laughs> I I didn't want to go on to, I mean, considering how things went in this game, I guess we could have spent a, a good chunk of this podcast discussing special teams. I know you would have enjoyed that, but mm -hmm. um, this is something I, I, I know I have, and I think, I can't remember if you have or not, maybe you were right there with me, but why was this not the move from the very beginning? Tyler Sumter's been his was his kicker at Troy for two years. He knows Tyler Sumter can kick field goals. Go with him. Stick with him. It's something you know he can do. I never understood it, um, but there he was today, 
finally getting shot after the Casey leg miss and putting two, you know, I don't, I don't think they were very long, um, but still two right to the million uprights. So you think it's something that's, I don't want to say it's permanent, but was it because the leg just badly missed that? And they said enough's enough. We're going with this. Like you have one kick to make. You think it was that preemptive? I don't know. It, I guess the first field goal he kicked, it was already 35, nothing. So, but he wasn't making any changes elsewhere. So maybe it is per, quote unquote permanent, at least for one more game. Last offseason, Marcus Jones, who was the really good, like all conference cornerback, all America special teamer, punt returner, kick returner at Troy, was in the transfer portal. And I'd heard that Neil wasn't especially comfortable with poaching guys from Troy. And he said, he's at Houston now. And I wonder if, like, I got the punter from Troy. Do I want to make him my punter and kicker? I wonder if that was, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. But, but then again, Staley is, listen, he wasn't going to supplant Staley. I get that. But maybe he could have. I don't know. But like when the chance was to get your number two kicker in, the devil you know is is probably pretty reliable at that point there too. And and Jones is excuse me, legs a nice story, but that was a pretty bad miss. And again, at a point where they needed something to lift their chins up, and that was the exact opposite of that too. Um, poor question for you, Chris. Yep. Iowa State is humming. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's humming. Um, TCU is trying to hum. I don't know. Anyways, I like to do this, and this is an exercise you can challenge yourself, but all the time during the season, I try to rank the Big 12 teams by the best version of a team. Okay. And what I mean is, like, right now, the number one team in the Big 12 is current Iowa State. And then you could probably say the number two team is current Oklahoma, but maybe the number three team is September Oklahoma State. So you're kind of qualifying every team to order stuff. But the point yeah. is that you're going to see if you do this fluidly throughout the season, are the current versions of a team replacing the present version or past version of a team? So, yeah, current Iowa State should be better than previous Iowa State. Conversely, there's no way current Oklahoma State is better than previous Oklahoma State. And certainly current TCU is better than previous TCU. Who and where do you see improvement for West Virginia? That's a terrible sentence. Who has improved and what has improved for West Virginia? I would argue that Letty Brown's been really good all year. I'm not sure Jared Dagey got better today. Uh, I'm not sure TJ Simmons, who was getting better, was better today. I think Sean Ryan had a great day. And then defensively, yeah. defensively, I just today was discouraging. I can't discard the first, you know, eight games of the year. Today was discouraging, but like they really should have been more competitive out there. And I'm wondering as this season arcs and you have three weeks and yeah, it was hard, but you know, three weeks, you should probably be able to have some footing and make some strides. Where do you see things getting better? Who do you see better right now? I think you touched on it with Sean Ryan. That's about it. I would say for almost everybody on the team, as far as today, today compared to what we saw against TCU. And I think that's the toughest part is that during that five games in five weeks, I think we did see, improvement from some of the guys from from certain position groups certain aspects of the game we saw Jarrett Dagey kind of after a slow first couple games to the year pick things up with what four straight games of 300 plus yards only one turnover uh, and then the one game that wasn't over 300 was the TCU game where they just said you're good don't worry about it we're just gonna run out the clock so man I know I know you know Neil Brown really got after the, the the three weeks off question after the after the game 
saying, you know, that didn't help, but there's no chance, I believe was his phrase, that it cost West Virginia the game. And I don't think it is either. I think Iowa State was just the, the much better team today. But that three weeks off just kills everything that they had built up. I know five week, five games in five weeks is a lot. It wears you down, wears the team down. Guys guys needed some rest. But then you go from five games in five weeks to, to, to not playing for three weeks. It's hard for me because no, no one's better than now than they were against CCU. That, that's my answer to your question. Yeah. But it's – God, it's tough with that much time off. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I'm I'm curious. I I, just, I wonder because they put Bryce Amaze out there to start the game. Yeah, gone, vanished. Right. I don't know where he went. Uh, <laughs> played more a lot, and then they had some cool stuff offensively. And I think they just they they probably got back in the corner. Had to do some different stuff, but. They they handed the ball to Sinkfield once in the first half, I think. But running back B isn't there. And again, maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't want to use running back B because running back one is so good. Running back A is so good, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just I just wonder about what, as you watch today's game in retrospect, what were you thinking if you were thinking that West Virginia could pull this off? You had faith in something, someone, a capacity to upset a team on the road where they haven't won all year. And it just seemed like it was so far away from that today that you're thinking, this is probably a miscalculation on my behalf. I wonder what, what I'm missing. And then, listen, I mean, what, what's striking to me, is too, is this is the worst loss since, uh, what we say, Maryland, 37 nothing in 2013, right? Um, yeah. But until that late field goal, it was the worst loss since 45-3 to to Miami in 2001. And please do not compare Miami in 2001 to Iowa State in 2020, but also don't compare West Virginia in 2001 to West Virginia in 2020. So maybe this is just a one-off thing, but man, you when you're trying to keep your head above water here in the 500 mark, that is not what you need to be doing. And again, it's not like you're two and one and trying to go not to go two and two relative to 500. Five and three, you're late in a season that's weird for everybody, but other teams are conquering these things that. Maybe you're getting the better view here. Yeah, I get it. Three weeks is tough. I understand that, but man, just seems like it's it's not quite at the peak or near the peak as I thought they'd be. They're they're not at the peak. They're never right. gonna say they're at the peak, but and I'm not using peak as some like <laughs> some turn of phrase here because we're talking about the climb. So forgive me there. But like they're they're not near where they want to be. But I don't think they're as near today as what you thought of because they they really got outclassed by a good team. All right, let me ask you, let me flip back your kind of scenario here and your ranking system and your, and your question. Uh, the two-parter for you, first, first part, quick and easy. Which game, which week, or if you want to make it out to a stretch of games or a couple games, was West Virginia's peak this year? Definitely the, the Kansas State, Okay, so even Texas. I thought they were good against Texas, good enough. They got out Jimmy and Joe in that game, I thought, and then probably didn't get help from the three guys or the eight guys in stripes. But, um, but those three games, and again, I thought that was the fact that they were in a rhythm. Those those five games in a row were hard, but there's some benefit there, especially for a team that didn't have that. But the way they got in their game, even in a loss against Texas, they they got to their game, and they played, and they were good. That was by far the best iteration for me. The TCU game was not great offensively, and that was discouraging. But TCU was really good on defense. Like even when they're bad and they're like a four and eight or even a seven and six team. They're a good defensive team. It's a little bit relative with regard to their record, but they're still good. They're capable defensively. And West Virginia just, listen, they got in the head and didn't even get their hands dirty. Like, we're not going to try to score 40 against these guys. We're going to win by 18. And they did. Um, okay. Um, that's your that's your peak. 
And well, I agree. I, th- yeah, I think that's my. Peak. I know where you're going here. I know where you're going. Yeah. Go, but ask the question. Does that does that peak West Virginia team a compete or beat Iowa State today, or compete for a Big Twelve title? If if that is the team that comes out, say that stretch because you know because they lost that Texas game, so that that would be good. That that three game stretch. If you get that three game stretch for the full ten game season, talking about 2020. Does that team beat Iowa State? Does that team compete for a Big 12 title? It, it, it definitely competes with Iowa State and doesn't lose by 36 points. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Can it win the Big 12? No, it's not punchy enough offensively. It's not. Okay. Um, but it, it doesn't get boat raced, and, and it's it's in the game. This is a game in the – it's a game in the second half, never mind the second quarter, right? It's right. a game in the second half, and it, it just wasn't there today. And this, you, you could tell like you could tell they knew. That was the one thing. And, and again, sometimes – some teams are bothered because they're bothered. This just seemed like this seemed like a team that got stuck in the mud or stuck in the snow and didn't have a way out of it today. And, and kind of was like, I've never felt this way before. What do I do? So this was this is worse, I thought, than the Missouri game last year. They just weren't good at that point. Team is good. I don't care. They're five and four, and they got you know kind of embarrassed today. It's a good team. It's certainly a better team than you know what, what would that be now. 20 games ago, certainly a better mm-hmm. team, but like it just, this was a worse performance than that too. Um, and I would say that this is the worst I would rank West Virginia's team this season. Like even against Eastern Kentucky where it wasn't, you couldn't tell. Um, and even against like Baylor, which wasn't a very impressive game and Baylor was not very good. Baylor was better at that point than they are right now, but hung around and played that game probably as well as they, maybe they could have at that point, but if you're doing this, I don't know how you don't think it's a step back. By the way, really late in the season with maybe the best team on your schedule coming up, too. That's it's kind of concerning. Yeah, I'm kind of dreading the idea of, you know, this this game going the way it did. And then maybe next week being similar. And then instead of, you know, an offseason filled with positivity and looking forward to 2021 because, hey, you know, Depending on a couple things, it, it could change. But for the most part, a lot of guys are coming back. A lot of this team is coming back. A lot of experience is coming back. So 2021 should be good as of today. But you're looking down a, a possibility, a potentially very real possibility, of West Virginia finishing 5-5, five and five, losing three of their last four, including their last two by a combined 80 points, 60, 70 points, whatever you want to say, you know, however you think that Oklahoma game is going to come out. And that, man, that can really, um, you know, <laughs> you talk about it, how it can swing a season and, and it swing a perception. That could do it in, in a very bad way. Yeah. Again, this is, it was a great opportunity, quite a challenge, too. Um, it's tough. I just it's it's surprising because I just don't think that anybody thought this would happen. You can lose. You can lose on the road. There's no shame in losing to Iowa State this year. But man, to put that product um, on that field on that stage when you had time, you had time. Like you had a week and a half to know this is coming and everything. And I listen. I get the competitive thing about not playing for three weeks. Okay, I get it. Um, it's not fun. But boy, it was it was just never close. And you could have forgiven Iowa State for being flat at the beginning of that game too. They beat Texas, which is a big deal. They're all but in the Big 12 title game. That's a big deal. They're they're riding high there. It's senior day, and maybe their head coach's last game. 
if they came out and it was seven nothing the other way at the end of the first half, it was if it ten three in the second quarter and they're trailing and people are nervous, that would have been perfectly understandable. Didn't happen, so that's impressive by them. And again, a credit to them. And uh, I did ask Brown this after the game too. You know, he's he's lined up against good teams and he's studied good teams. I think that part of the stigma of the final score today is you lost to Iowa State. How do you lose to Iowa State? How do you get out executed, outplayed, out athleted by Iowa State? You can put that team in different jerseys, and they're going to win a lot of games too. Um, they just they just have weapons. They're good. I think that's probably overlooked on their behalf. Um, and they did what they had to do. What surprises me, West Virginia did have the turnovers and did have turnovers on down, or excuse me, had the penalties and had the turnovers on downs. But there wasn't a pick six. There wasn't a huge special teams play. There wasn't two or three turnovers. This did not get away from them because of sloppy, bad, unorganized play. It was just an accumulation of bad series stacked up against good series, too. Um, what does that say? That it wasn't fumbles and interceptions and like a pick six or a punt return or a kickoff return, but it was just series on top of series on top of series. I think that kind of cuts to the the effort and also the things that, that Brown said about Iowa State afterwards. That He asked the question, he said, what? What extraordinary play did Iowa State make? He said, yeah. you know, maybe th- maybe there were a couple, but for the most part, they just consistently were making positive plays. You know, they weren't making the 40 to 50 yard gains, the 80 yard gains. Like you said, the turnovers, it was just here's eight yards. Here's a first down. Here's six yards. Here's a first down and so on and so forth. And I think if you could do that, I mean, it's it's very, very hard. It's why you don't see games like this uh, happening. It's very hard to do that for a whole game. Usually for these type of blowouts, you need those extraordinary plays. And to do it so consistently consistently, and to dominate the way they did, um, it's rare. I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how you do it because I, I think, you know, I mentioned effort at the beginning. I think there were, I don't know, effort. I feel like guys were moving. I don't. I don't know. I think this this is why I ca- I went back to the three weeks off thing. I don't feel like guys were lazy, other than you know a couple of those business decisions late in the game. But early in the game, I felt like they were mostly going the right places, getting places, hustling places. Like it's talking specifically about defense, but like in the trenches, they were just getting beat, like just manhandled uh, physically, and and missing tackles. Like they were getting there, they were in position to make the tackles, just weren't making them. Um, I do, obviously, you know, we talked about before we hopped on here, the, the crossing patterns with the tight ends and, and the guys in the middle middle of the field, and usually the inside linebackers struggling with, I don't know, even recognizing that someone was about to cross in front of their face. But I don't know. It, it's tough to It's tough to lose a game like this the way that they did. What now? Because... Oklahoma's coming to town. It's going to be a hard week. You're going to have a lot of embarrassing moments put up on film in the next couple of days. Painful things you don't want to relive that maybe you hadn't put on film before. This is not the team you want coming to town. It's not a night game. It's not going to be 7.30, 8 o'clock. It's probably going to be noon. Maybe it's 3.30. You're going to have an eh crowd there that maybe is worried about what quietly you're worried about. Um, Senior day. It's just not the same as if you had won today or, more importantly, if you had had Oklahoma at home last week under the lights. This just seems like a really thorny week. Yeah, this is about the worst possible way this this last couple weeks could have turned out, I think, because, like you said, last week, you know, everybody can get up for a night game against Oklahoma. And regardless of how that turns out, I think you're still going to get something 
out of this team traveling to Iowa State um, this weekend. But now it's it's this. They're out of the Big 12 title game. They're basically, I want to say, you know, the, the bowl situation is going to be weird. So it's not like they're actually fighting to get a better bowl, no matter what happens this weekend. I think, uh, you know, they're pretty much locked into one of like two bowls. So it doesn't matter on that front. And, you know, we've already seen guys just opt out once their team loses a couple games or falls out of contention. I'm not saying guys are going to do that. I haven't heard that. But we've seen it happen time and again, time and again uh, across the country with elite guys that are just like, all right, my team's out. I'm not going to risk getting hurt. We've seen them do it in the bowl game in years past. Now it's with COVID that they're just done anyway. And God, I, I can't tell you how many people, I don't know. I don't know if you checked your Twitter replies. It's a bad idea during the game. Um, your mentions, I mean, but I had several people say, I, there's no way this game's even going to get played. I said, what are you talking about? And I said, think about it. This game means nothing because Oklahoma State, no matter the result, if Oklahoma wins tonight, Oklahoma, no matter what, is in the Big 12 title game against Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So are they going to, with their COVID issues, because they're still they're gonna, they're playing tonight, but they're short some guys, with their issues, are they going to travel to Morgantown to play what is essentially a meaningless game for them, giving them no rest before the conference championship game while Iowa State gets a week off? And I'll be damned if it leave, leave the conference. If that happens, leave the conference. <laughs> like, leave the conference. Get BYU to come to town and just give them the finger. If that leaves and you don't get a home game against Oklahoma, Lions should go to Dallas and just start throwing Molotov cocktails inside the Big 12 <laughs> office. No, absolutely not. That scares me because that actually isn't a terrible idea. But if that happens, I know. Right? Like, I was like, I was like, what are you out of your mind? And then it was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. That's. Hang up and just and then call. You got ACC contacts. Call a guy in the ACC. Can I get in, please? You're losing Notre Dame, or you need 16. I don't know. You got to get somebody. I would leave the conference in that case. Pay the pay the fine. Listen, we'll get a GoFundMe. We have we have subscribers that they would kick in, right? I was, I'm so glad I, I I got to bring this up just to have you go. Let's do it. Oh, uh, well, it's okay. I mean, what's you don't get into the ACC anyway because Shane Lyons is going to be the next ACC commissioner, so we're good there. We are good. Hey, there. speaking of rumors that we started, Sean <laughs> Martin. We started. 60, we started. Sean, Sean Martin wearing the sixty-seven today, Chris Anderson. <laughs> hey, should I count out how many ha ha ha's there were in that text that you sent me? Like you were just in stunned that it might actually be a possibility. The rumor. That I don't don't lump don't lump me in on that. Don't lump okay. me in on that. Well, it's, you, not, it's not a rumor. You, it's not a rumor. You started Here's, it. All right. Here's the deal. Um. I, in, in the preseason, and a lot of these things came true, right? Um, yep. They, they, people told me that they think that he could be a a money making offensive tackle. He's that big. He's that nimble. And what have you heard since then? He's so big. He's got to figure out how to play underneath his body, right? Um, he's just a big guy who's got to figure out how to coordinate it and play defensive end. Defensive ends are 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 fairly common, and you can be an undrafted guy, a seventh round guy, a fifth round guy, and you can make money if you can rush the quarterback. Offensive tackles are number one picks. They're first round picks. And sometimes guys see that and they switch sooner than later. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Uh, and I don't actually think it happened here because I have an explanation. But Sean Martin was wearing 54. He was playing defensive end or defensive tackle. Not really sure because he's only played like six snaps, right? Mm-hmm. 
He's wearing 67 today. You cannot wear 67 and play defense. You, you can, but they the NCAA in typical NCAA language, quote, strongly suggests 50 to 59 is for centers. 60 to 69 is for guards. 70 to 79 is for tackles. Now, that's obviously not going to work out. West Virginia's center wears 76. Um, right tackle, Bryson Mays wears 68, right? 68, but he was a guard before, right? So yeah. anyways, or a center before that even. So yeah, it's not it's not the letter of the law, but like you, you really can't be a defensive lineman and wear 67. However, he was your right wing on field goals today. And... I'm pretty sure Frazier's your right guard on field goals, um, or at least he was today. So I think what happened was they had those two on the same special teams unit, and you cannot have duplicate numbers. So he's not going to play Martin on offensive line. Probably not going to play on defense in this game either. But we need him out there to play the wing and protect on field goal. Give him a 67 so we don't have two 54s in the field. I think that's what happened. However... If he's left tackle in three weeks or a bowl game, whatever, I will send so many ha 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 texts <laughs> because I, I texted the person who told me that initially before the game. And that person said, yeah, told you. And I was like, what? And then another person said, ah, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see. I don't know about that. Hadn't heard that. That's interesting. So I don't know. I think my theory about special teams is probably probably pretty good. By the way, uh, I check my mentions and we usually um, we usually end our podcast with a nice thing about you. Uh-oh. Something uh, nice for you. Yeah, I'm not going to say this guy's name because I don't really care what he thinks, but I ain't going to share his thoughts. Um, in a reply to me, maybe you could ask Neil some real questions instead of your usual softballs. Or you can keep peddling the trust the climb like the sycophant you are. Words hurt, Michael. He said that to me. To you. To you. I would have asked more questions, but we got cut off. Yeah. I Neil made say, a business decision. <laughs> Lots of business decisions today. Well, so uh, there were five questions, maybe? I'm yeah. I think here. One. I was like, say, yeah, well, I was going to say a couple people asked two. In I their was the fifth time. person? Yeah. Okay. And then I got cut off before my second question. Yep. Like, I got muted. I raised my hand again. I got unmuted. And then they gave me the hook. And they muted me again, and he left. Stage left, so... So listen, uh, listen, hey, I was I got my hand raised before you even raised your hand and they called on you before me. And then I never got to ask the question. So oh. I know where I stand in the hierarchy around here. I know. You're very adequate, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a very adequate podcast after a, um, you know, I can't even say it was a very adequate game, but oh. we have plenty coming tomorrow. We'll wrap this up. We have a basketball game. Uh, find the thread on the VIP board. Ask your questions. I'll be back Monday with a Q&A podcast. But. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to West Virginia basketball against a strenuously bad Georgetown team. Lost to Navy, Chris. Mm. Mm. David Robinson is not walking through that door. No, he's not. Lost to Navy. No, he's not. You know how um, the Broncos tried to see if they could get their quarterback coach to play quarterback a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago? Do you think Georgetown might try to get P. Ewing to play? <laughs> Mike, did you know I don't care how you win? As long as it's with with its guards, big men, however it's done, you win it. You you find a way to win, whether you got a big man or not, or two. You never know. He was he was taking shells, wasn't he? Yeah, taking artillery. People, so, yeah. I was gonna say our listeners might not get that unless they actually watch the full Bob Huggins podcast. But uh, yeah, 
Hugs was was not buying the the lineup talk. Four games in, and the guy with 900 wins is getting talked out of the the Shebae Culver combination because <laughs> they lost to Gonzaga. We are at, we are in mid season right now. This is good. I'm very excited. Yes, we are. All right, let's wrap it up, Chris. Uh, I have nothing more to you. Uh, no, that's it for me. Well, like I said, like you said, we'll have basketball updates. We'll get back to the usual stuff for next week. Still got one more game, uh, one more week, uh, another game. We'll have updates. We'll have access to Neil Brown. Maybe we'll get to ask our questions on Tuesday or even Monday on the Big 12 call. Um, and we'll have recruiting updates. I mean, we're, what, 10 days, 11 days away from early signing period. And it, it could get interesting. We've had updates the last few days on at least two players committed elsewhere that West Virginia is still trying to flip. And I, I just posted a, a, a silver lining, a positive update on our board. If you can find it between all the threads calling for Neil Brown's ouster after tonight, um, a positive, a positive uh, update on recruiting. Cause uh, there are a couple of players in West Virginia's class that other teams are trying to flip. Oh, and yeah. one of them is apparently not biting, uh, had a positive message tonight. So, um, it could be a very interesting last 10 days. Sycophant. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>